0: It's three o'clock, good afternoon. This is DCFM Newswire with myself, Tom Douglas and Ellen Butler. This is DCFM Newswire.
1: Coming up on today's show, we'll be hearing from the repeal march that took place in the city yesterday.
0: We'll speak to UCC, President, UCC SU President Olin Sheehan about a recent vote to support United Ireland in the college.
1: We'll also hear about Hawaii suing Trump, the latest hospital attack in Kabul and more in global news. That's all after the latest news with Megan
0: Kavanaugh. Live
2: online and on your mobile. This this
0: is DCUFM DCUFM News.
2: Thanks Tom, I'm Megan Kavanaugh, it's three o'clock. Due to the revelation of the price of a stamp rising to one euro and the planned closure of approximately eighty post offices, Postmasters are to hold a protest outside the GPO on O'Connell Street next Tuesday. Postmasters are calling on Communications Minister Dennis Naughton and the government to intervene immediately, said Ned O'Hara of the Irish Postmasters Union, reports The Independent. Minister for Children Catherine Zapone has revealed that an interim report on the Toon Baby scandal will be published before the month is out. The minister said before the Dáil that she wants to undergo a scoping exercise to expand the Commission's terms of reference to cover all institutions, the Irish Times reports. The family of a man who was knocked down in a hit-and-run last night and left in a critical condition have made a plea for the driver to hand himself into the Gardaí. The young man of 28 was knocked down at 9.45pm last night in Artane, not, not far from his home while out for a jog. And finally, it has been announced that Stormzy will headline Marley Park for Friday night of the Longitude Festival in July. He will be joined by Irish band Picture This on the night. This announcement comes after the reveal of The weekend headlining The Saturday Night Show and Mumford and & Sons headlining Sunday. Tickets for the festival go on sale tomorrow at 9am. That's all news for now, sport and weather are next.
3: Right now, I'm craving some pizza,
4: but I'm craving you even more.
0: Damn girl, are you a pizza? Because everyone wants a slice of you.
5: You're like pizza. Even when you're bad, you're good. Domino's Pizza Fingless. All the cheese, no sleaze. Order on the phone, in-store, or even track your pizza from the oven to your door when you order online today.
6: Online, on the pitch, and on air,
3: this is DCU-FM Sports News.
0: Good afternoon, starting with soccer. After Barcelona's miracle win, Dortmund's impressive turnaround in the Champions League and a dull nil-all draw for City in the Premier League, they've failed to close the gap between themselves and Chelsea to just eight points. The attention turns to the Europa League tonight, however. Manchester United make the daunting trip to Russian side Rostov in the last 16. Manager Jose Mourinho has brought a strong squad across the length of Europe and will be expected to start star striker Zlatan Ibrahimovic after the Swede picked up a three-game retrospective ban in the league for a deliberate elbow on Tyrone Ming. However, Mourinho may start a weakened team due to the poor state of the Rostov pitch, which he cited as disgraceful. Kickoff there is at 6. And sticking with soccer, Spanish footballing legend Xabi Alonso has confirmed he is retiring at the end of the year. Decorated 35-year-old is the most famous for his play with Liverpool, Real Madrid and currently Bayern Munich. He has won two Champions Leagues, three major international titles with his country, that's two European Championships and a World Cup. And finally, to boxing, Tony Bellew has worked welcome to the prospect of a fight against Tyson Fury if the former heavyweight champion is cleared to make a comeback. British and Irish boxing authorities, along with the UK AD, have not given Fury the green light to return yet, but Bellew, who has only confirmed he'll fight once more, won't rule out a clash between the pair, saying, why wouldn't I? That's all your sport for now. Weather is next.
2: DCUFM Weather Generally dry this afternoon with spells of hazy sunshine. However, cloud will slowly tick in with light outbreaks of rain, developing in turn later on this evening relatively mild, with maximum temperatures of 12 to 14 degrees Celsius. Remember, you can keep up to date with news throughout the day on Facebook and on Twitter at DCUFM News. That's all the news for now. Stay tuned for Newswire.
6: DCUFM Newswire.
7: Thick, creamy dollops of loveliness into your earholes.
0: This is
7: DCUFM! Nice.
0: I'm still going to finish college
1: and graduate with flying colours. I'm still going to be famous. I'm still going to work and get that promotion. An unplanned pregnancy is not the end of the world. Free text LIST to 50444 or visit positiveoptions.ie for a list of free, non-judgmental counselling agencies that will help you to pick up the pieces. Positive Options. Crisis Pregnancy
3: Services.
7: We've all got one. Our surefire stomach liner. A pint of milk. A big feed. A banana. Or two. The truth is, your body gets rid of roughly one standard drink per hour. That's half a pint, or one small glass of wine, or one pub measure of spirits per hour, and no amount of soakage can prevent that. So if you're drinking tonight, and you think you're okay to drive tomorrow morning, you might want to think again. Like the RSA says, never ever drink and drive. Drinkaware.ie, rethinking our drinking.
6: DCFM Newswire. Get involved in the conversation on Facebook and on Twitter at DCFM News.
0: Welcome back. It's 4 308. Yesterday's Strike for Appeal movement saw figures from around the country, from members of the public to AAA PBP TDs Richard Boyd Barrett and Ruth Coppinger. Our reporter Simon Doyle went along.
8: I came down to support the strike for appeal because it's really important that we bring huge pressure to bear on the conservative and very cowardly doll that we have. We have to force the government to act. They don't want to do so. We have to make them through, you know, people power, through pressure, through mobilising like actions today, and also like the later march that's going to take place at five thirty, uh, which is going to march to the doll. We need a referendum. What they're talking about now increasingly is let's replace the eight with something else. We don't want anything in the Constitution pleasing women's bodies and telling women what they can and can't do. This is a health issue. It shouldn't be dealt with in the Constitution. And we have to put huge pressure to bear on the politicians. uh, We're not waiting for the Citizens' Assembly. We're not waiting for the doll. We want a a referendum to repeal the eight now.
6: Do you think, uh, yeah? Do you think with the I suppose the crowd that's turned up today—they they feel the same. They don't want it uh, replaced, or, or you know, um, a, a different uh, stipulation put in place, but they want it gone altogether.
8: Yeah, it's really important that we have a referendum just to repeal the aid because uh, it's it's dangerous. It's affecting women's health, even in terms of maternity care. It's sectarian. It was put there by the Catholic Church. And look, this generation won't put up with what my generation had to put up with. This generation is, has much different concept about bodily autonomy. It is not in any way, you know, loyal to the Catholic Church in terms of... Uh, people have seen with the revelations over the weekend what it means when the Church and the state collude to control women, uh, particularly their sexuality, and to control their lives, uh, as we saw their horrors that have been revealed in June. The idea that the Catholic Church can come and lecture people about what they shouldn't shouldn't do in their life is gone now. It's a game-changer, in my opinion, about what's happened, and it really undermines the Church intervening in this debate in the next year or so. Do
6: you think with the tomb controversy coming out over the weekend and, and obviously, the strike that's on today, with the, with the numbers that have turned out and, obviously, with the march later on, do you think that, that would be enough uh, impetus for the government to... Um, Uh, You know, get it over the line, uh, and and with the with the bill that's um, been put in by Breesmith to, to to finally start the process of change. And if not, do you think that this is only going to intensify from here on in and get more loud uh, as it has been today?
8: Well, exactly. Well, today is a really important day because of the strike for appeal, the march for appeal. I've just been taking part on the bus for appeal as well. That's been traveling the country, bringing uh, women access to safe medical abortion pills that are legal in every single country in Europe except Ireland.
3: I'm here because it's International Women's Day and uh, I think everybody is here to say that the days of uh, hypocrisy where thousands of Irish women are exported abroad uh, for a medical procedure that should be their right to control their own bodies, decide uh, about their own pregnancies, uh, and more generally to say uh, an end has to come to the Ireland of Magdalen laundries, of chewing babies... Uh, of Catholic domination and the political parties that have propped up this oppression and uh, persecution of women and children in this country that all of that has to end and we need a new Ireland where women are equals and control their own lives and control their own bodies it's simple and uh, I think the enormous turnout here shows there's a very determined new generation of young people who are going to fight for that equality
6: do you think that the 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 tomb revelations and um, you know coming out now? Do you think that's that's kind of like added a, a huge windfall to to the repeal movement, and will it kind of speed up the process?
3: I certainly hope so. I mean, it puts into stark uh, uh, light the incredible hypocrisy of the Catholic Church and indeed the state uh, in its collusion with them. How they were willing to effectively sacrifice the lives of babies, imprison women, and then these same people say they're pro-life uh, and tell women that they can't control their own bodies uh, and decide about their own pregnancies, whether they continue them or not. So I think that uh, that, that hypocrisy, that contrast, is not lost on anybody uh, and provides powerful uh, evidence of why women have to have that equality and that choice. Um, so, yes, I, I believe... The moment of uh, repealing the eight, of giving women the right to choose, uh, is very close, but we need to get it over the line.
6: DCFM Newswire.
7: Imagine, no warm clothes for winter, no heat in your house, always hungry and tired, your nights filled with the sound of fighting. Adam is seven. This is his life. Without Bernardo's, what hope has Adam got? We're working with Adam to change his future, but we can't do it without you. This is Fergus Finlay from Bernardo's. Asking you to change a child's future now, go to bernardo's.ie or call 1850 216 216. That's 1850 216
3: 216. While you're discussing home and away on Facebook, while you're chatting to your granny on Facebook, while you're creeping on your best mate's girlfriend on Facebook, why not order a delicious pizza through the Domino's DCU Facebook page and get access to all the best deals and offers for DCU students? Facebook.com forward slash Domino's DCU. Hey, I can be the answer I'm ready to. Here at DCU-FM, we know how to rock.
6: DCFM Newswire get involved in the conversation on Facebook and on Twitter at DCFM News
0: welcome back to Newswire it's quarter past three the Ken Coralist job is possibly the most important but also one of the most low-key jobs in the doll. our reporter Simon Doyle spoke to current Ken Coralist Sean O'Farrell about his role his projects abroad and life in politics in general probably
6: will mark the first anniversary of being elected Ken Corliss, uh, in the current government how have you found the role to be so far
9: um, I've really enjoyed the role, Simon. It's been interesting, busy. Uh, it's been a great honour to uh, have been the first directly elected uh, Count Corla. And it's been in many respects quite challenging because we have had a lot of internal reforms here in Leinster House over the period of the last year. We established, as soon as the election was over, a Doll Reform Committee. Following my election, I was appointed chairman of that committee and we were charged with reordering how the business of the doil is done, having regard to the outcome of the election, the fact that we have very diverse groups uh, represented in the doil, uh, and the fact that we have a, a government that is in a significant minority position. Just to uh, to I suppose touch on the, on the role of of the caretaker and the office uh, that you assume. I mean for.
6: For A lot of Irish citizens and mainly young Irish citizens you know in in college are just uh, uh, about to become the the main voters in, in the country how would you describe your roles on a daily basis and 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 the extent of your responsibilities in the all and and I suppose beyond that
9: yeah I, I mean I accept that it's a significant office about which the public would not be particularly uh, well informed there are I suppose three aspects to, to the role. Number one the highly visible one where you, you chair the doyle. That's an inordinate privilege uh, to undertake on a daily basis. Uh, obviously there your uh, responsibility is to, to ensure the smooth and orderly running of the Dáil. Um Behind the scenes then uh, there is the administrative and management responsibilities um, administrative and management in terms of how we have gone about the business of reorganisation of Leinster House um, the houses of the Arachus here have an annual budget of 123 million and working with the Secretary General of the department we have a responsibility uh, to ensure that the public get value for money for that uh, expenditure uh, and then thirdly um, there's this very significant diplomatic role that I would have been unaware of myself prior to being elected, insofar as all visiting parliamentarians who come to Leinster House are greeted by the Count Corle. Uh, the Count Corla of the day spends time with them, debates the issues of mutual interest between the countries uh, involved. And I have, on a weekly basis, ongoing uh, engagement with the diplomatic corps Uh, that are representing 50 or more countries that have uh, embassies uh, here in Dublin. So, uh, in fact, one of the most time-consuming aspects of the role is is that diplomatic one where you're engaging continuously uh, with countries that have an interest in Ireland uh, and in which Ireland has a keen interest as well.
6: In terms of in, in terms of the time that you've come in uh, to office as as Cora, uh politics in Ireland has undoubtedly been shaken up and and has changed uh, in the past year or two with with, with the results of the election and, and how the government cur- currently stands. Uh, how has that? Uh, affected your role and and how has it made it different in comparison to your predecessors and as well as that do you think that this new layout of government or this new political landscape in Ireland is
9: beneficial for democracy uh, and the, uh, the Irish people? Yeah, I think there are two distinct areas there, Simon. First and foremost, the whole issue of new politics and how party, part, political parties and political individuals and independents operate in terms of their engagement with the public and what they do. That's not something over which I have any control. My only a- area of influence is here within Leinster House. And when I was elected, my simple ambition was to try and create a situation which the citizen at home in their kitchen or their living room in Kildare or Kerry or Kilkenny looking in watching the Oireachtas would be able to say that the business of Parliament the business of the Doyle, has been done in a smooth and effective and professional manner that they would look and say and see uh, that their parliamentarians are highlighting the issues that are important to them and that the issues that they're highlighting are being progressed that would be my Great ambition in terms of how the dial works. Like you said, uh, a big part of
6: your of your role here in, in Lancaster House is, is, of course, meeting with foreign ambassadors and and, uh, and and diplomats. What what perception do you get from them? You know, meeting them on a regular basis of of Ireland's place in. Europe and and the world as a whole, uh, especially with current kind of political landscape that Europe is, I uh, uh,
9: think Ireland has a has a a big place in in the world now as it is. Yeah, I, I think internationally Ireland has a good reputation. Uh, it is it has got a high standing. I think people look at the last uh, decade or or so uh, and see that Ireland struggled manfully with the massive economic. Uh, turmoil that we had here and have begun to emerge from the other side of that and insofar as they admired us during the years of the, the Celtic Tiger for having achieved the levels of growth that were achieved then, I think internationally we have won admiration for how we have dealt with the, with the difficulties and they see Ireland as a growing economy um, there, are, there are also I, I think international concerns about issues around the widening gap between the rich and the poor uh, the need to ensure that we have a more just uh, society here. But there is also a lot of international respect for the uh, areas of work like uh, development aid and peacekeeping that we have been engaged in. In a recent visit uh, to the Middle East, I met with the Secretary General of the Arab League, uh, who was um, really uh, hi- highly praiseworthy of uh, Ireland's pe- peacekeeping initiatives spoke with great praise for the Irish people for the stance that we had taken in relation to the Palestinian uh, issue. I meet with African ambassadors on a regular basis and they are deeply appreciative of the um, development aid role uh, that Ireland has played. Um, So I think there's a lot of international respect, uh, a lot of desire on the part of many countries uh, to uh, have Ireland uh, to, 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 to be able to benefit from our, Ireland's friendship and to have Ireland as... A partner advocating for them in the EU, EU and supporting them in the EU just in regards to uh,
6: international relations uh, something that has popped up for Ireland in recent times is uh, the case of Ibrahim Halawa who's been uh, whose trial has been postponed for the nineteenth time in recent weeks. What is your role in that uh, entailed in terms of a, of, a, of an Irish ambassador to that case and do you think there's ever likely to be a case where he will be uh, able to come back to
9: Ireland? Okay, well, as you probably know, that in early January I led a delegation of members of the Dail uh, to Egypt, where we had the opportunity to have a series of very high-level meetings. Um, we met the president, uh, President El Sisi, of uh, Egypt. We met uh, senior directors in the Homeland Security. We met a series of government ministers. Um, we spent time in the jail with Ibrahim Alawa. We discussed his circumstances his um, desire to to be freed. We got an absolute assurance from the President of Egypt that on completion of the trial he would be released home to Ireland. Uh, I absolutely accept the assurances given to us by President El Sisi and indeed by the other political figures that we uh, met with while uh, in Egypt. The difficulty is that Ibrahim is... Facing trial with 490 other accused, there are 600 lawyers involved in this particular case, uh, and the, the the scale of the trial is such that we have seen these inordinate delays. I mean, the delay, in my view, is one that puts the situation into a, a, an area where you couldn't but conclude that that uh, it's contrary to natural justice that somebody would be denied an outcome. Uh, for the length of time that he has been. Our key interest in this is that Ibrahim was a 17-year-old Irish citizen, Irish-born, Irish passport holder. Um, so w- the Irish state has an absolute responsibility to, uh, to look after his interests, and we have been trying to do that. And I am, I am certain as well that the Department of Foreign Affairs has done everything that it possibly could do uh, to support him. Uh, in, in, in his uh, situation. I have to say as well, Simon, that I've been quite frightened in a way by the response I've had on social media in the aftermath of the visit uh, to Egypt and indeed beyond social media to people contacting my constituency offices complaining about the fact that we visited, complaining about the fact that we went out there to support this, this young man, talking about the Muslim Brotherhood uh, and basically showing a level of racism that is quite frightening and that is alien I think to the goodwill and the the the, the common decency of, of the Irish people but people seem quite willing particularly on social media to to vent this invective against someone who they perceive to be belonging to another race but who is in fact uh, a valued Irish citizen it, it seems to be a recurring uh,
6: argument uh, uh, for and against uh, uh, Ibrahim in, Halawa in the sense that we uh, believe that he is an Irish citizen and he, he, he is uh, fully within his rights, obviously, to have a fair trial and then return to Ireland. But the, uh, the modern day uh, uh, political landscape of fear of, of, uh, of, of these terrorist organisations, uh, do you think that uh, they, they have any right to, to be worried about uh, the kind
9: of allegations put, put against them? Well, I don't believe for a minute that Ibrahim Halawa is a terrorist. I, I don't believe that for a minute. But I, I'm, I was a pains while in Egypt, and I'll say so again. We are not judging him in terms of the accusations that are being made against him. That, that is a matter for the Egyptian court. The Egyptian court will make its finding, whatever that finding is going to be. I respect the fact that the Egyptians have their own legal system that has served them well uh, over the centuries. Um, It offends me that this young man has been left so long waiting for an outcome. But I will also point out that as we press uh, in every way we can to get a speedy outcome for him, knowing that when the trial is over, he will be returned to Ireland, the other side of that coin is this – Many of his co-accused, if found guilty, will be sentenced to very long periods in prison or, in some instance, possibly even sentenced to death. And that is something of which I am profoundly aware. You touched on uh, your your meeting with the the United Arab
6: Emirates uh, delegation that you met with. And, of course, with yesterday being International Women's Day, you met with the first uh, woman Speaker of the House in the United Arab Emirates. How how important do you think that is for part of the world where it is um, deemed to be very conservative and do you think that is a sign of
9: uh, equality moving forward in the right Absolutely. direction? Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Amal al-Khavasi, who was here and spent four days uh, in the country with six other members of the United Arab Emirates Parliament, remember... The the Emirates Parliament is made up of 40 members only and seven of them spent four days uh, in Ireland, so it was a great privilege to have her here. I really enjoyed the time I spent with her and we travelled, for example, around County Kildare looking at a school um, uh, heritage site and we visited Kildangan Stud, which is owned by the ruler uh, of of Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed al-Maktoum, who is Prime Minister uh, in in the Emirates. I thought she was an inspirational figure. Uh, She has been a leading academic... Uh, She was uh, one of the first women elected to their parliament and is the first female speaker or chair of an Arab parliament. So she is uh, leading the way uh, for women in in the Arab world and she's she's an admirable person and uh, entitled to all the support we can give her. Speaking of another um, Speaker of the House across the pond
6: in the UK, John burkow uh, just really quickly, he, he, last month he, he said that he was totally opposed to uh, President Trump uh, speaking in, in their house. I suppose just from from your own point of view in in the role that we have or the role you have here, that's the mirror image of his. Do you think he is within his rights to do that as a neutral speaker of the House if uh, he thinks that uh, a character like President Trump would totally oppose the values of
9: his of the citizens he represents? Well, uh, I, I met John Burkow shortly after I was uh, elected. In fact, I I went to Westminster to to have a chat with him. Uh, so he he is a formidable, capable. Uh, politician. Uh, Do I think he was right? Yeah, I think the system in the UK allows for that level of outspokenness uh, on on the part of uh, the the Speaker. Um, I've no difficulty with with him doing that. Conscious of the fact uh, that we would approach that issue probably somewhat more delicately here. For example um, I felt that Theresa May should have been invited to uh, address the Doyle on the Brexit issue and I wrote to the Taoiseach Asking him if he would extend that uh, invitation uh, which I believe he subsequently did. So I suppose um, my approach to that, uh, given the traditions of this office, would be more more diplomatic and more low-key but do I have a view of these things? Yes, of course I do. Do I express them? I think I need to be very careful because the Count Corle in the Irish situation should not attract uh, controversy, should not put himself in a position where he is in any way divisive within uh, within Parliament. Absolutely. But, uh, just re- really quickly, uh, on a final note, um,
6: with your, your remaining time in office, uh, whenever uh, you know, the time frame of that is... How would you uh, like to proceed forward from now in terms of kind of marking your legacy on the role? I, I, I know that you've obviously done work with Trocra, in conjunction with Trocra, for an African poverty project. Would similar projects in the future be popping up or what else would
9: you like to do in your time? Well, the first thing I want to do is to uh, ensure that we can do the job of chairing the doll effectively and that we, we deliver on the reform package. That's that's number one priority. That's the first uh, and most important uh uh, objective um in terms of um, other projects the previous concorda have promoted and uh, developed the um, the national um, courage award bravery awards uh, that's something i have been developing as you rightly say i've initiated the concordia's african project in um, consultation with troker where we're uh, developing a self we we're, we're supporting an already existing self-help project in the Tigre province of uh, northern Ethiopia where the people are constantly at risk uh, from droughts and uh, from lack of food uh, so I want that, that project which is doing amazingly well at present I want that to be continued and I have also a keen interest in developing a disabilities employment programme here in Leinster House uh, traditionally uh, public agencies public bodies uh, public authorities were supposed to employ 3% uh, of their workforce for, uh, from amongst the ranks of people with disabilities I think that rarely, rarely happens. It certainly hasn't been a major feature here in Leinster House, and I do want to see through uh, to fruition the development of a disabilities uh, programme here where we have people with disabilities working throughout the organisation. Well, we, uh, we wish you uh, all the best with
6: that, Karen uh, and Thank you very much for talking to us today.
9: Thank you, Simon. Listen to DCU-FM. Today it's miserable out, mainly cloudy with downpours coming in. Just look at those clouds. You should buy an umbrella. Actually, you need a few things in the shop over there, milk and bread for a start. Now let's go to the news. For the headline that, because you were lost in thought, you didn't hear the car that killed you.
7: When you're a million miles away, tragedy is never closer. Pedestrians, it's everyone's responsibility to pay attention to the road, or you may pay with your life. From the Road Safety Authority, visit rsa.ie.
3: Waves between two. Jinx around the corner. Oh, that's lovely. Straight down the middle. Just the red light to beat. No one's seen
7: him. He's free in the yellow box. Can he get it across the line? No. It's over. Over the bonnet of the car he didn't stop for. When you're a million miles away, tragedy is never closer. Cyclists, it's everyone's responsibility to pay attention to the road. Or you may pay with your life. From the Road Safety Authority, visit rsa.ie.
3: It's coming up to the exams and sometimes you just
0: don't have time to cook. At Domino's Pizza, we'll deliver up until 5am and you can order right on Facebook during your (coughs) study sessions. Just go to facebook.com forward slash domino's DCU to order and check out our special student deals.
7: Man United left it late in 99. The Dubs left it late in September. But here at Domino's Pizza Thingless, we're used to leaving it late all the time because we're open till 5am every day of the week for all your pizza needs. Domino's Pizza Thingless at zero one eight double one double zero double nine. Domino's Pizza Thingless, open till 5am because that's what we do.
6: DCFM Newswire.
1: UC UCC Sinn Féin on whether or not the SU should support United Ireland has passed as a yes. But why should we want the six counties back? Surely it's for the people of Antrim, Armagh, Down, Fermanagh, Derry and Tyrone to decide. I'm joined by UCC SU President Olin Sheehan to discuss the matter further. Olin, how are you?
4: Hello, how are you? I'm good. good.
1: Firstly, can you just tell us about the motion itself?
4: Yes, the motion was essentially just to mandate the student union um, to, to, I suppose, a course of action. Um, so I think the wording was: Should UCC student union uh, campaign in favour of United Ireland?
1: What do you think is the point of having the counties back at all?
4: Um, I, 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 think my, my personal opinion doesn't come into it. Um, as the president of the student union, I'm mandated to, you know, to, uh, by the students to, yeah. to campaign in, the, in this instance. So I don't think my personal opinion does come into it at all, you know, the opinion okay. of the student union now and the, and the student body is that we should have a united mm-hmm. Ireland. Um, so I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't tend to, to comment on that.
1: Well, in your in your opinion, do you think this has anything to do with the recent internet culture we've seen to act like a hardline Republican, you know, with slogans like Up the Ra and Kamauci Black and Tans, this culture that we're seeing on social media? Do you think that this has anything to do with the result in the... Um, in the referendum yeah
4: I suppose I wouldn't uh, I suppose I wouldn't tend to give my personal opinion Um, more the the opinion of the union and we don't have an opinion on that really Um, all we do know is that we're we're mandated now to you know to to campaign in favour of United Ireland Um, I I don't think it's an internet culture I think that we you know if if students are passionate enough about something and students vote in favour I think it's a lot more than an intimate maybe fad or or something like that you know
1: uh, how is the u c c s u going to campaign
4: um i think it'll be i suppose in similar fashion to the repudiate um campaign so it'll be it'll be you know whether it's if there's a match it'll be Ireland's in buses or if there's maybe an actual campaign um so joining us so that's pretty much it um i think it'll, it'll be similar enough to other I suppose things that were mandated you know just the having marriage quality were mandated as well so i think it'll be it'll follow similar lines.
1: Uh, do you think it's insensitive to discuss a subject like this, considering events like Bloody Sunday, um, how it's quite a serious issue? Um, do you think maybe a, a college campaign like this is maybe a little bit flippant?
4: Uh, no, not at all. I think uh, I think everything, you know, like a lot of our mandates are, are serious issues. You know, I think if you look at the, the repeal um, mandates, that, that's very serious um, for, for a lot of people, for everyone, really. So I don't think, I think that, that that's the role of the student union is to, you know, to openly discuss and debate these kind of issues.
1: OK. And um, if a referendum were called on the subject itself, surely ourselves in the Republic would not have as much to say as those in Northern Ireland? Do you not think so?
4: Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that we have to check the uh, legal ramifications for that. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's not in the, the Good Friday Agreement. Um, that wouldn't I think now I'm don't quote in this but um, it's not for both both sides uh, North and South I have to agree um, if there was to be United you know, Ireland okay. so I do think you know, that, that that it would come into play then
1: OK well thanks for ta- talking to us Olin uh, Newswire no, is back after this short break You're a wizard Harry
0: I'm I'm a what? A wizard and a thumping going at like that once you join DCU Harry Potter Society for Quidditch, Triwizard Tournament, movies, a Yule Ball and lots more.
8: We solemnly swear that we are up to no good. have Miss Miss managed. managed.
6: And your name is? Charles Keane. And your occupation? Deputy FM manager. And your specialist subject is? Pizza. Okay, let's begin. What size is the world's largest pizza ever? 10,000 square feet. Correct. How many countries is Domino's in? Eighty-one. Correct. Who is the founder of Domino's Pizza? Tom Monaghan. Correct. What is the world's most popular pizza topping? Pepperoni. Correct. And until what time? I've started, so I'll finish. What time is Domino's Pizza in Fingless open until every night? Twelve midnight. Oh, I'm sorry. The answer was actually five a.m. What? what? No way. Yeah, it's actually true. Domino's
0: Pizza Fingless open till five a.m. every night. Breaking news.
2: Good afternoon, it's four o'clock. You're listening to Newswire.
3: Latest sports. Good evening, it's six o'clock, and you're very welcome to action replay on DCUFM, the best arts. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Barometer. Keep up
7: to date with all the shows and all the stories at DCUFM.com.
6: DCUFM Newswire. Get involved in the conversation on Facebook and on Twitter at DCUFM News.
0: Welcome back to Newswire, it's twenty to four. Ellen Butler joins us now to talk about the latest global news. Donald Trump is yet again in the news. We have reports of a deadly attack in Kabul, suspicious fire in Guatemala and a sexist traffic light system. Ellen, first of all, we'll talk about Kabul. What's happened there? Well, Well, Tom, Islamic
1: State has claimed responsibility for an attack on a military hospital in Kabul. Gunmen disguised as doctors entered the hospital and battled with security forces for hours. The death toll is at least 38, with dozens more injured, according to the hospital authorities. Um, An initial suicide bombing at the rear of the 400-bed complex in the Afghan capital began the attack, and ISIS's ISIS's, Afghan wing claimed responsibility, according to a report by the ISIS-affiliated AMAC news agency.
0: Moving to America now, Donald Trump really won't let this travel ban go, will he?
1: No, Hawaii has become the first US state to actually file suit against President Don- Donald Trump's amended travel order ba- order banning entry of people from six count countries and suspending refugee resettlement. Hawaii is seeking a nationwide restraining order blocking implementation of the order Mr. Trump signed last Monday. The latest order suspends... Refugee admissions for 120 days and halts the granting of new visas for travelers from Syria, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Yemen and Sudan. It explicitly exempts Iraqis who were on the initial list and legal permanent residents and valid visa holders.
0: Moving to Guatemala now, there's been a deadly fire over there I hear?
1: Yes, at least 22 girls have died in a fire in a state-run Guatemalan orphanage for abused teenagers. The fire broke out after residents set mattresses alight in an overnight riot and attempt to escape the overcrowded conditions of the centre. The Virgin de Asunción, home for minors, located 25 kilometres west of the capital, Guatemala City, is run by the Ministry of Social Welfare. Relatives of the girls have said that that abuse and mistreatment were commonplace inside the centre and that conditions were dismal. The head of Guatemala's social welfare agency said that the shelter had a capacity of 500 but was currently housing at least 800 young people. So the federal government said in a statement it has sacked the shelter's director.
0: That sounds awful. Moving to Australia, a trial for traffic lights has raised a few eyebrows and there's questions Mm -hmm. of sexism. What's happening there?
1: So in Melbourne, Australia, 10 traffic lights have been fitted with female figures wearing dresses as part of a 12-month trial by the Committee of Melbourne. Uh, According to an Australian lobby group, replacing male figures with women is a step towards gender equality and is to reduce unconscious bias. The initiative, which is assured to come at no cost of the taxpayer, is an attempt to reduce the level of gender-biased iconography on Australian streets and is definitely a controversial one with plenty of opinion and reaction rolling
0: in on social media. That's an interesting one concerning gender roles, all right. Thanks for that, Ellen. After the break, we will talk to the Irish Postmasters Union General Secretary Ned O'Hara about the possible closure of up to 80 post offices around the country.
9: 7 to 8 degrees today, it's miserable out. Mainly cloudy, the is coming in. Just look at those clouds. You should buy an umbrella. Actually, you need a few things in the shop over there, milk and bread for a start. Now let's go to the news. For the headline that, because you were lost in thought, you didn't hear the car that killed you.
7: When you're a million miles away, tragedy is never closer. Pedestrians, it's everyone's responsibility to pay attention to the road, or you may pay with your life. From the Road Safety Authority, visit rsa.ie. Waves between two jinks around the corner Oh that's lovely Straight down the middle Just the red light to beat No one's seen him He's free in the yellow box Can he get it across the line? No It's over Over the bonnet of the car He didn't stop for When you're a million miles away Tragedy is never closer Cyclists It's everyone's responsibility To pay attention to the road Or you may pay with your life From the Road Safety Authority Visit rsa.ie
3: coming up to the exams and sometimes you just don't have time to cook
0: at Domino's Pizza we'll deliver up until 5am and you can order right on Facebook during your (coughs) study sessions just go to facebook.com forward slash domino's DCU to order and check out our special student deals
7: Man United left it late in 99 the dubs left it late in September But here at Domino's Pizza Thingless, we're used to leaving it late all the time because we're open till 5am every day of the week for all your pizza needs. Domino's Pizza Thingless at 018110099. Domino's Pizza Thingless, open till 5am because that's what we do.
6: DCFM Newswire.
0: A plan to close up to 80 post offices has been described as a serious blow to communities around Ireland, but should on post not get with the times. Ned O'Hara from the Irish Postmasters Union joins me now. Ned, how are you?
5: Not too bad, Tom. Thanks for having me on.
0: That's good to hear it. Now, you said the plan is a serious blow, but is the post service not kind of behind the times?
5: Well, it depends. It's behind the times for some people, but 1.7 million people still use us every week. Uh, we provide a lot of services to communities and th- that's both urban communities like in Dublin as well as around the country, Like there are communities in Dublin that use the post office and the people who use the post office tell us that they want more services in the post office. So for instance, we would have collected 500,000 signatures from people who use the post office looking for more services through the post offices and given it to the Minister for Communications. And last year in an online poll on the journal.ie, which isn't your normal uh, media outlet if you like for what would be seen as as post office users but 82 percent of people in a seven and a half thousand sample said that they wanted more service in the post office. so there is a demand there for far more services and postmasters are contractors and haven't got to say in what services they provide they depend on either on post or the government to give us services that we can sell to customers.
0: Bobby Kerr has this plan to close. It's At the moment it's 80 but there's questions of whether it'll go to 100, 150, 200 and it'll just spiral out of control after that. Is it a Matter of principle to stop it first and nip it in the bud? I think
5: those questions uh, above 80 comes not from Bobby Carr, but from, I think, from a report that McKinsey's are doing for Post. McKinsey's are an international consulting firm.
0: Yeah, there was fears that it would inspire. Bobby Carr, as you know,
5: chaired the Post Office Renewal Board. He came in, he was asked by the government to examine the Post Office Network using his experience as a retailer. He came in and he examined the situation. He reported on the situation about a year ago and then was asked to prepare a number of recommendations to be implemented. Now, those recommendations constituted a comprehensive plan for the post office network for the next four or five years and included um, looking at where post offices should and shouldn't be. At the moment, what happens when a postmaster retires is that post office is likely to be closed. Perhaps it shouldn't be closed. Perhaps it should. But what, we, what would be looked at in the context of an overall plan is if there's a 1,054 or 1,075 post offices in the country, that perhaps we, we have some in the wrong places that we could do it out and perhaps there are some in other places that we could open new post offices. So it was in that context that he was talking about closures. The closures being proposed by post or by McKinsey's report for UnPost is, a, is a, in the order of hundreds. And our view of that is that McKinsey's can come in and report on the Postal Service and whether it's viable or not viable or whether it needs to be uh, restructured. But like they shouldn't be asked to, or shouldn't, a consequence of that work should not be the redesign of the face of rural Ireland. That's not their brief. Their brief in relation to rural Ireland lies with the people of Ireland. The Post Office Network is owned by the people of Ireland and we consider it to be a national asset. Now, Bobby Kerr's plan saw investment into that asset. If you have a valuable asset, you invest in it. And he recommended appropriate investment over a three to four or five year period, sorry, a four four year period and recommended a number of additional services, both government services, financial services and social services. Now, social services don't fit within the commercial remit of Unpust because they they have a commercial remit. And uh, the chief executive of Unpust yesterday said that social services are not commercial so they're not worth doing. Now, the people that we serve feel that those services are worth doing so there's a role there for government i think in deciding what services are provided through its own post office network or through the people's post office network even
0: we we hear of this mckinsey's report and bobby kerr's opinion should we not really speak to the people and see what the people want
5: yes and we have we have done that like we have done research in towns around ireland of a population of about 800 people where the garda station has been closed down and the bank has left and the post office is usually the last, uh, comm- not commercial output, but the last uh, financial outfit left in the town, if you like. Now, if the post office is closed in those towns, the shop closes and the the the, the, the yardstick been used by a post is 15 kilometres, which is about 10 miles. At 10 miles to the country, if you haven't got a car, you either get up on your bike or you get a bus. There's generally no buses. Now, it might sound fine on paper, like 15 kilometres, that's fine. We'll have a post office every 15 kilometres. But that's 10 miles.
0: That does sound pretty, I don't know... uh over the top if, if for somebody, I, I, I know I live goes. in Dublin myself, I'm trying to see this from uh, a, a rural perspective. It does seem like a lot to ask somebody to travel possibly like five miles in either direction or ten miles in either direction just to and go if and post you want, a letter. Then
5: what happens is if the post office goes, it usually, or a lot of times, the shop associated with the shop goes. So if you want a pint of milk or a loaf of bread, you then have to go five miles one way or five miles the other way or eight miles one way or eight miles the other way.
0: We've lost about 800 post offices since 1992 in an article by the Irish Times yesterday says and that the people in Ireland tell us they want more services in the post office. What kind of services could we introduce?
5: Well, there's a variety of services, but we have done some research. We could do, and we we currently don't do, we could accept all government payments, including all payments for the HSE, the Central Applications Office, third-level registration, you'd be familiar with that, all fines, parking court fines, all licences. You can buy some licences in the post office at the moment. A big one was identity verification for official documentation. So if you want your passport, you have to go to a guard station, which could be 15 miles away. It was suggested that postmasters could become peace commissioners and do that identity verification locally. We should and could supply all government forms, rather than have them printed off and put into warehouses. They could be printed on demand with the, today's technology in post offices. We can provide information services for tourism, for uh, research, into, into genealogical research, if you like. We do it unpaid at the moment. If a, if a tourist comes from America to an area where did so-and-so live, all this type of stuff, we could maintain the electoral register. We could do counter transactions for all the commercial banks. More futuristic, if you like, with today's technology, we can do remote health checks. <coughs> we could do a prescription drop-off point, although there are some issues there in relation to handing over prescriptions. We could be a local transport hub we can provide technology training some people said to us in our research that technology training or or, um, internet information and communication types technology ict that's the adult literacy issue of the moment and a lot of people want and need that type of uh, training around the country we could be community internet Uh, we can be learning as i said for ict we can be information points. Like, there's loads of things we can do. Loads of things. And, like, we haven't got... Postmasters can't decide what services they provide. It depends on government and our on post to give us those services. People will use us if we have the services.
0: Speaking of new services, there's uh, the parcel collection service that has recently enough yes, been yes, uh, yeah. introduced. is pretty successful. It's pretty
5: successful, yeah. But there are, and recently the lottery, now the lottery hadn't been available in all post offices up to this and I know there are issues uh, around the lottery but having said that the lottery provides uh, a lot of money to rural Ireland and to Ireland in particular in relation to the the causes it supports
0: Interesting debate anyway um, I'd like to see what Minister Dennis Nocton has to say about this in the short term and the long term Mr Ned O'Hara thanks very much for talking to me
3: Here at DCUFM We know how to rock.
6: DCUFM Newswire.
0: That's all for the show today. You can catch up to any stories you've missed throughout the week on our SoundCloud account at DCFM Rocks. We have no shows during Reading Week, so until Wednesday the 22nd at 4 o'clock, have a good evening. Thanks to everybody for today's show Megan Kavanagh for the Bulletin, Ellen Butler for presenting alongside myself, Tom Douglas, and our reporter Simon Doyle for speaking to Mr. O'Farrell and Mr. Boyd Barrett and Miss Coppinger. See you on the 22nd. Mm-hmm.